Hello, and welcome to Baker McKenzie's Resilience, Recovery, and Renewal podcast series, dedicated to helping your organization navigate the full continuum of the COVID-19 pandemic and beyond. Whether you're managing the immediate crisis, stabilizing operations, or evolving your business, this podcast will cover key insights to help strengthen your organization's capacity to respond, recover, and thrive. My name is Jennifer Northam, and I've spent over 20 years as a producer and journalist covering international business issues for leading news organizations. In this episode, we'll explore how COVID-19 has affected the supply chain, everything from household goods to medical and manufacturing equipment. We'll discuss what steps companies can take to mitigate this disruption and lessons learned in how to build a more resilient supply chain in the long term. Joining me today is Matthias Hedwall, head of Baker McKenzie's Global International Commercial and Trade Group. He supervises a number of global companies in commercial and trade-related matters. Also joining me, Christina Conlin, a member of Baker McKenzie's International and Commercial Practice in Chicago. Prior to joining the firm, Christina was Chief Compliance Officer for McDonald's Corporation's European Operations. And just so you're aware, we're recording the podcast from our homes in light of COVID-19 social distancing rules. Christina, let me start with you. The title of this podcast is How to Shockproof Your Supply Chain. Do you think many companies were shocked or caught off guard with this huge disruption we're seeing to their supply chains due to COVID-19? Yes, I do. In talking with clients, there was a shock and surprise with the extent of the disruption. People were obviously watching what was happening with the virus late last year and in early 2020, but they didn't necessarily anticipate the depth or the extent of the supply chain disruption. When this started, people were talking about this disruption being a deep V and they had planned accordingly, but I've seen that description revised to a swoosh or a hockey stick or having those who won't even predict what the economic and structural disruption looks like. So while people were prepared for some shock to the system, the extent and length of this, I think, was unprecedented and unexpected. So Matthias, now we've seen this global pandemic. It disrupted supply chains around the world. Consumers have been having a hard time buying basic products. Shelves have been stripped of everything from milk to bread to cleaning supplies. Now, while much of this was down to stockpiling, it's also due to disruption in supply chains. I really never thought I'd see the day where toilet paper is a hot commodity. My question to you is, are we back on track? Well, we are for sure not back on track yet, and I believe it will take a long time before we are coming back on track. And it's pretty obvious to me that we are not going back to the same What we have seen now is a new way of working. We have seen an uh, improvement in technical skills, in innovation. We are working in a different way. And I believe that that will be the way we will go back to. So, yes, we will go back to normal. But uh, my guess is it will be a completely different normal. The disruption in supply chains has led to serious issues for many industries. Christina, can you tell us which industries have been most affected so far? Absolutely. I don't think there's an industry sector that wasn't dramatically affected. I think very obvious examples are food, technology, auto, consumer goods. The list goes on. And TP was, or toilet paper was just a humorous example, but there have obviously been significant shortages in critical correspondence for companies. 
There's been disruption on many fronts. We saw surging demand without the ability to source, and we also saw the evaporating of demand overnight due to closures. So those who were fortunate enough to see the demand for their products surge needed to quickly hire and protect additional employees and find that additional sourcing and change their production capabilities to meet that demand. And of course, there were those whose demand shrank dramatically overnight and needed to find solutions for their inventory. Again, I think a well-known example is that food producers saw restaurants and universities and other outlets for their products close with little notice and their production capabilities for those customers does not easily translate into, for example, retail or grocery store production. So there were examples of U.S. farmers dumping milk, destroying chickens, because that restaurant demand evaporated overnight and they did not have the ability to pivot quickly to redistribute to a different sector. You know, we've seen similar to the 2008 financial crisis, we're now seeing suppliers, you know, marquee company names filing for bankruptcy, perhaps jeopardizing or creating additional disruptions in the supply chain. And then we know that there are companies that rely on smaller suppliers and family businesses who may um, have liquidity issues or may have challenges in getting lending or capital. And that will have a dramatic effect on the ability for these companies and suppliers to survive the remainder of 2020. And will this experience mean that more companies will look to maybe source the raw materials elsewhere, closer to home? Well, yes, I think there will be a new balance, a balance between securing your supply chain and uh, cost efficiency. But it's it's quite hard to, to just redo your supply chain. And it's quite costly, especially if it's a more compli- complicated supply that you are, are looking for. But I definitely see, will think we will see a new way of, of thinking about your supply chain to be more agile and more looking into a holistic way of securing this. And that will happen in different ways. I, I think it can be, uh, we can be working more with the logistics or we can working more with uh, controlling our suppliers in a different way. And then, of course, uh, companies must be ready to change and more agile, as I said. How important is it for companies to communicate directly with their suppliers during the crisis? Oh, I, I think that is a very good question. It's extremely important because this is not an isolated phenomena. It's something that affects us all. So it's actually an all parties problem. And the best way of solving an all parties problem is, of course, to communicate with each other. And the dialogue will be even more important going forward. And when I look at it and when I talk to the clients, it's it's very obvious that we all have different interests in this. So it, it will be a balance also between the different parties' interests. The way we communicate at such is also quite interesting. I've been looking at some clients that have, have a need with uh, finding new ways of communicating with their customers, for example, Instead of servicing the products at their customers' premises, they have been forced to set up digital ways of communicating so that the customers themselves can actually service their products, but with the guidance and, and uh, infrastructure of the, the suppliers. 
Christina, I mean, let's talk about that innovation a little bit more. I mean, is there an opportunity here for companies to maybe implement better policies and use that innovation to make their supply chain even that much more resilient? Yes, definitely. Historically, large, uh, larger scale companies and more sophisticated companies have relied upon multiple suppliers for sourcing to ensure availability of product in the event of unforeseen events like product recalls, natural disasters, government regulations, or uh, other political disruptions. The plan has always been for assured supply, even when one supplier was dramatically impacted. The issue here with this pandemic was obviously that it pushed suppliers to the limits with, and companies to the limits with multiple suppliers having the same issue, which impacted the availability of goods. So having you know, potential alternate suppliers here didn't insulate companies from these disruptions. So crisis management planning is being taken to a new level. There are definitely cross-functional teams looking at resiliency, and that's for not only the issues around um, employee safety and sourcing, but prepping, preparing for government regulations and potential import or export regulations. I think the situation is so fluid right now that um, companies understand the need for agility here. And so I think companies will be looking at different suppliers in different countries, different regions, and realizing that they cannot necessarily source from only one company, one country, or one region in order to shockproof their supply chain. Right. So how's technology helping those companies monitor their supply chain effectively going forward? So uh, my colleagues and I have done presentations in the past about blockchain and the supply chain. And admittedly, I was not thinking of blockchain for pandemic purposes when talking with clients or, or other parties about, about blockchain. But what's you know amazing about blockchain and the supply chain is that it can give companies real-time insights into product availability and potential sourcing challenges. So there are examples of clients and retailers who are requiring their suppliers to utilize blockchain for food safety tracing, product location, sourcing, and availability. And it gives real-time information, which can help companies wade through information and options at a much quicker pace than some of the older supply chain mechanisms. So I think blockchain is definitely you know, a word that's used a lot for currencies and other aspects, but I do think blockchain and the supply chain is something that companies will use to help monitor going forward. And Matthias, are there any practical steps, any real tangible steps companies can maybe take to really shore up that supply chain? Yes, uh, of course there are. And I think that's kind of an urgency at the moment to to do this. And the best way of doing this is to take a holistic approach and do a, an analysis of all different aspects of your supply chain and the best way forward long term. This may actually lead to quite drastical changes, such as moving the supply chain to a different country or rethinking the way you you structure your whole supply chain. But if it's done based on facts and if you're securing and testing your scenarios, I think this is a very good way of, of doing this. And this is, of course, not just because of the pandemic. It's also because of all other things that are happening in the world, uh, mentioning trade wars and other uncertainties around uh, free trade. And this also is is a necessity because of the increase of like national control and protectionism. So 
it's not so easy. But if companies are doing it the right way, I think it can be a real win situation and, and an opportunity to actually find uh, cost efficiency and, and hopefully other wins. The best way I would suggest is to, to do a SWOT analysis with the help, the help that you need to, to do that. There are a lot of good information system that has been tested now that can be used for this. Let's turn now to the role of the government. I mean, Christina, what has been the government response to the disruption in the supply chains? Well, I think it's been varied. You know, there's obviously a lot of um, things we could talk about in this area. I think, you know, from a very broad perspective, the designation of businesses as essential or non-essential in terms of whether they could continue to operate. And, you know, there were companies that were deemed essential, but perhaps some of their suppliers or their customers were deemed non-essential. And again, that, you know, some of the disruption that we talked about earlier. So we have helped clients determine whether they are essential or how they fit into that definition of being an essential business when there were shelter-in-place orders or other regulations that governments were, were putting in place. I think, you know, truly from a supply chain-focused perspective, we saw, for example, in the U.S., the president used the Defense Production Act to mandate that meat production facilities stay open and operating despite concerns over COVID infections when we saw that certain local governments were asking or seeking closure of those plants. In addition, we've seen governments such as Germany and others tighten their rules on acquisitions and takeover bids in order to protect and preserve critical infrastructure and supply chains. So as Matthias mentioned, I think, you know, there's this tension between the global nature of supply chains and local governments needing to secure and maintain critical products for their citizens and their voters. Let's look at data security. Now, it's a big issue for global supply chains. I mean, we can talk hours about this, but it's under increased pressure since COVID-19. Christina, what should companies be doing to really mitigate this threat? Great question. So we've seen those companies who have invested in their digital infrastructure fare better. You heard me talking about blockchain earlier. Information and quick information is king accurate information, of course, but faster access to that data gives a company a competitive advantage. That being said, ongoing government scrutiny and consumer attention to data security increases companies' risks if it's not managed properly. Matthias, this is basically learning the hard way, but what have companies learned about the weaknesses in their supply chain through experiencing this crisis? Well, I think there has been a lot of focus on supply chains for quite some time. Also, before the pandemic crisis, we have seen trade wars uh, around the world. We have seen Brexit and and other nationalistic movements. So many changes have already started and companies have started working with their supply chain analysis. And I guess now with this pandemic, the companies have been even more aware of the weaknesses in their supply chains. And we are still in kind of a recovery mood, so we're, we're not that far in yet. But to handle the crisis is, of course, one thing. And longer term solutions is something completely different. And what is interesting when we talk about supply is also that, of course, demand will look completely different as well. The customers have also adjusted to this new world and and changed their their demand patterns. Just to give you an example, one of our retail clients, of course, they haven't had that many people in the stores during this pandemic crisis, but the 
there has been a huge increase on on the e-commerce side. And that is, of course, great. And they think, well, we can actually balance the, the lack of sales in the stores with the e-commerce. The problem is that there's a completely different logistic side when it comes to su- supply to the customers all the e-commerce. So the, they have struggled a lot with the logistic side and they need to kind of reinvent or, or invent the, the, the logistic side in a completely different way because the customer demand is completely different. What happens when now stores are slowly starting to reopen? Are stores preparing for that shift back from e-commerce to retail? Or is that going to be a very long and arduous process to kind of get people more comfortable going back to the shops? Well, I, I, I think I have a boring reply to that. And that is, that it will be mixed because I think a lot of, of customers have actually get used to buying online. So that there will probably be an increase or Compared to to before the pandemic, it will be an increase in e-commerce. But of course, uh, customers are also interested in coming back to the stores. But we will see a decline in in the physical activities in the stores, at least for for quite some time, I'm, I'm quite sure. And Christina, on the back of that, I mean, I've spoken to a lot of companies that are now looking into telemedicine or online pharmacies or virtual beauty consultations rather than people going to the shops. Are consumer habits changing so drastically that it will change the way that consumers actually look to buy products or look to get services, which, which as Matthias says, will, will change the supply chain down the road? Yes, absolutely. So I think, you know, we humans are very adaptive creatures, but I do think that there will be this new normal going forward and it will be a mix of people just having more confidence in shopping online or doing telemedicine things that once they just wouldn't even have necessarily thought about for products and um, sourcing that they wouldn't have necessarily thought to do online or via a telemedicine check-in, for example. But I, I do think there's sort of short-term and long-term. I think Again, as the medical response to the virus perhaps evolves in terms of a vaccine or treatment, you may see certain sections of consumers going back to their old ways. But I do think that, you know, this day and age has changed people in terms of what they will be doing. And I think there will be a change in consumer habits and the impact on the supply chain as a result. May I add to that, Jen? I think it's interesting to see just looking at my mother. She just turned 90 this week and she has started to buy all the food online and she had never bought any food online before this crisis. And of course, she will continue to buy all the food online after this crisis. That's a great example. And again, that brings us back to the issue of data security, because everything is has moved online. Everything might potentially stay online and, and, and data security obviously becomes an, an even greater issue. I just wanted to thank you both for your time today. Thank you very much. Thank you. And for those of you listening, we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to send any comments or questions to 3rpodcast at bakermckenzie.com. That's the number three, the letter R, podcast at bakermckenzie.com. Or you can contact us through the Baker McKenzie social media accounts. Use the hashtag resilience, recovery, renewal. More information on this topic is also available on our website, bakermckenzie.com. 
We hope you can join us again. We've got a great chat planned with a few experts who will be discussing how COVID-19 has affected diversity and inclusion within the workplace. Thanks a lot for joining us. Thank you.